This is Political List Radio. Welcome. This is the Nerd Square Circle portion of Political List Radio. So, for all those who are listening, I want to thank, first of all, the viewers, the viewers who have actually made the Vince Russo failure job my number one podcast. Second of all, I would actually like to thank Vince Russo for that. And I'll tell you why in a few seconds. Let me just get this out of the way because it's very important. For you ladies that are listening out there, and males too, for that matter, we did a podcast a few days ago. Um, And for those who have actually heard my podcast about political, um, you know, views and said, this guy's, I don't agree with his political views. He's actually full of garbage. You know what I'm saying? Here at Political List Radio, we do not hate, we do not discriminate. You know what I'm saying? Anybody has a difference of opinion, please, by all means, let us know. We will definitely, would love to hear your difference of opinion. I.E., the newest member of Politicalist Radio, Miss Lady V. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to Miss Lady V. She is phenomenal. We actually went over the one-hour mark, and unknowingly, like, they just cut us off at the one-hour mark, and unknowingly, we just kept talking and talking, and then finally, we looked over and realized, like, oh, shit, we got cut off, like, a long time ago. But anyway, without that, with that out the way, the Vince Russo failure job, it's the number one podcast, and I. it took me a long time to realize, like, out of everything we have on Political List Radio, you're telling me the Vince Russo failure job is actually the number one video, and I came to realize, well, number one podcast, and I came to realize why. Listen to this, folks. For, for those who haven't listened to that podcast yet, and for those who have, it's a trip down memory lane. You ready? Unless they can otherwise be proven, which most of it can. <clears throat> now, Vince Russo and Vince Russo's screwjob. Nope, not that one. This one. Vince Russo has 110% admitted himself, not in the exact words, but he has actually taken... Um, how do yeah, I put it? WWE, which was then the World Wrestling Federation during the Attitude Era, took every single gimmick and thought that he was going to recreate the same thing in WCW. I know everybody's tired of hearing about Vince Russo. Okay, with that said, Ed, this ended up becoming the number one podcast. And then I realized after a while. I don't hate him. Okay, you got to realize, right? Myself, um, other podcasts. Other vlogs, I guess you can call it, other YouTube videos or YouTube influence, whatever the frick you want to call it, right? Even Jim Cornette himself. You can hear the same Vince Russo story over and 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 over again. And guess what? No matter how much you hate him, you're going to tune in and listen to another Vince Russo story. You get what I'm saying? You're going to, no matter how much the same story is said over and over and over again, you're going to, I guarantee you right now, right now, no matter how down WWE ratings is, if, if done properly, if done properly, Vince Russo can go back to WWE right now, and I guarantee you, they will pay him some good money to go back, 
and everybody, the few that like Vince Russo and the many that hate him, they are going to tune in. And WWE's freaking viewership will skyrocket. Guarantee you. Because right now, right now, you can make a podcast or anything you want on Vince Russo, whether you love him or you hate him. And people will tune in to hear Vince Russo's name. I've made my opinion known about Vince Russo, but hey, Vince Russo, if you're listening to this, you're probably not, but if you are, keep being yourself. At this day and age, keep being yourself, because you are making a lot of people a lot of money. Wait till that Hall of Fame comes, the WWE Hall of Fame, and Vince Russo is inducted. There's going to be controversy. And I guarantee you, remember what I said before. All right, hold on a second. About WWE bringing Vince Russo back. If done properly and they advertise it, you know, uh, a month in advance at the most. A month in advance. Not only would their viewership skyrocket, but I guarantee, I guarantee fucking to you. Dr. Evil himself will tune in, whether it's SmackDown or Raw. He will tune in himself just to see what happens. As much as he hates him and he wishes death, death upon him, guarantee you. Vince Russo, right now, equals money. For everybody that's going to cut a podcast on him or did a promo on him or did a vlog or whatever's done on the information superhighway, that man equals money right now. And I want to thank that man. He's actually made me a dollar or two. If you if you honestly want your royalties, I'll send you the 50 cents in the mail. But the man equals money. You cannot deny that right now. Back then, like I said, did he equal money? No, him personally didn't equal money because, you know, he had that... that that wedge right there that stopped him from, you know, doing him. That's why, you know, the companies he's worked with, a lot of companies made money. But, you know, like I said, I've already gave my opinion on Vince Russo and the Vince Russo failure job or the Vince Russo poll job or Vince, you know, poll Russo or however you want to freaking... <clears throat> you guys know what it is. Most of you guys listen. Like, yeah, I remember that. I was actually listening to that. But as much as I don't like them, you do have to admit, ladies and gentlemen, once again, I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it again. At this day and age, Vince Russo equals money. If you hate him or not, you will tune in to listen to the same freaking story that's been told 3,000 times, no matter what story it is. Just to hear Vince Russo's name. Which is crazy. The man, I don't think he actually realizes how marketable he is. Because of how much hate he gets. From myself included. But, here's just a side note for Vince Russo. Keep being yourself. The more people hate it, the more people are going to cut podcasts about it. And the more people are going to bitch and moan about it. 
the more people are going to go back to your podcast because your name's out there. Who the fuck is this Vince Russo guy? That's more viewers for him. You know what I'm saying? From a marketable standpoint. He has no, like, he's not in professional wrestling. has nothing to do with creative or anything like that. So Vince Russo right now can just keep being Vince Russo. And not only is he making himself money, but he's also making everybody else money. And once he makes everybody else money, they're going to tune in to be like, who the hell is this Vince Russo guy? Or they're going to tune in just to see, you know, what he has to say, or whatever the case is. So it works for everybody. The people that like him, the people that hate him, and for Vince Russo himself. So at this day and age, keep being Vince Russo. Because we're making everybody money. As long as you keep being yourself, everybody gets paid, including you. And professional wrestling is enjoyable. (laughs) no offense (laughs) as long as you don't go back to professional but I would love I would love if seen done properly I would love to see freaking Vince Russo pop back up in WWE I don't it wouldn't have worked in in AEW or Impact and in my opinion it would have in this day and age it would work beautifully in WWE honestly and it would get a shitload of viewers even the haters too they would come out in droves. I would watch it just to see what happens. With that said, Nerd Square Circle, this is Political This Radio. Thank you guys for watching so much. Thank you guys so much for watching. Sorry, yeah, I had a couple of drinks in me. Political This Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Nerd Square Circle uh, portion of Political List Radio. I have some interesting WWE, well, more than than WWE. It's more like a World Wrestling Federation facts for you guys. And you guys, for my hardcore professional wrestling fans, this is not the shit that you've seen on YouTube. And, oh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he likes to fly fish. And, oh... Vader used to be a penist, you know what I'm saying, and freaking who, you know, this person's relatives are, no, these are interesting facts that you guys haven't actually put together or realized yet, okay, check this out, right, first off, Bret Hitman Hart, Bret Hart was actually born, Bret Sergeant Hart, yes, Bret Hart's middle name is Sergeant, according to Wikipedia, but I'm pretty sure his middle name is Sergeant, which I've never heard that before, and I hope that's actually wrong. Okay, this I know, the rest of it I know for a fact to be true, because I've actually came up with this myself and actually researched it, and I said, yeah, that's damn well true. Okay, now check this out. Greg the Hammer Valentine, right? In Survivor Series 1990, he was on a million-dollar team which consisted of the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. For those who don't know, which if you're a professional wrestling fan, you should already know this. 
uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, the Honky Tonk Man, and the mystery uh, partner who was the debut of The Undertaker's 1990 Survivor Series. They were the Million Dollar Team. Now, also, Greg the Hammer Valentine teamed with Brutus the Barber Beefcake and then Dino Bravo afterwards as the Dream Team. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? The Dream Team. Greg the Hammer Valentine was on the Million Dollar Man's team at the 1990 Survivor Series with Honky Tonk Man and The Undertaker on the Million Dollar Team. Who did they face? The Dream Team. Ironic, isn't it? And that consisted of, obviously, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Coco Beware, and the Heart Foundation. Now, British Bulldog and the Warlord have faced each other in every single pay-per-view in 1991. Believe it or not, which was only four. Royal Rumble in the Royal Rumble match itself. WrestleMania 7, they faced each other one-on-one. SummerSlam, they were in a six-man tag. I believe it was Warlord and Power and Glory versus Bulldog, Tito Santana, and Texas Tornado carry Von Eric. And that's off the top of my head. I'm good. Survivor Series 91, which was the last pay-per-view. They were an eight-man elimination match, and they were actually on the first uh, match itself. Bulldog was on a team with Roddy Piper, Virgil, and Brett Hitman Hart, which one of these do not belong. And they were facing, oh, because Virgil sucked, let's be honest, don't go there. And they were actually facing the team of the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Irony, that's two years in a row so far that Ted DiBiase and Bret Hart were actually facing each other. Ric Flair, woo, real world champion, baby. And who else? Warlord and the Mountie. So, all four pay-per-views in 1991, the British Bulldog and the Warlord, have faced each other. Okay, moving on. Bet you guys are like, wow, shit, this guy's good. What else does he have? Chris Jericho! Remember when he brags about beating Austin and Rock in the same night? Okay, well, he did, in fact, do that, but the only problem was, not only was he not the first person to actually do that, he was not the only person to do that. In fact, the first person, and up until Chris Jericho did it, the only person to defeat Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock in the same night was actually Kurt Angle. And it was at Armageddon in a cell. It wasn't eight people or six people in a, in a hell in the cell. So I don't know where anybody got that freaking um, Mandela effect from. It was always Armageddon in a cell. It might've been Armageddon in the cell, but it was Armageddon in a cell or the cell. It was never freaking hell in a cell or hell in the cell. Maybe that was a graphic once, but I personally don't remember that whatsoever. So that Mandela effect can get thrown right out the window. I'm sorry. It was Armageddon in a cell. In fact, I know that for a fact because if you go on the earlier uh, PS2, if I'm not mistaken, video games of WWE, World, World Wrestling Federation at the time, they actually have Armageddon in a cell. They don't have hell in the cell. It's Armageddon in a cell. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Kurt Angle, way before Chris Jericho did it, defeated The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, The Undertaker, and Rakishi all in the same night in Armageddon in a cell. So Chris Jericho was 
not the only person, and he was definitely not the first person to defeat Austin and The Rock in the same night, as much as I love Chris Jericho. Now, here comes a sad situation. Uh, back in the glory days of professional wrestling, there's a lot of great wrestlers that were that came from the state of Minnesota, and unfortunately, there's a lot of great wrestlers that died from the state of Minnesota. That itself, I'm going to try to have my own, you know, on my own podcast on, but I'm just going to give you an example. Ravishing Rick Rude, he was from the state of Minnesota. Brian Pillman died in the state of Minnesota. Hawk and Animal were both from the state of Minnesota, passed away, unfortunately. Vern Gagne was born and died in the state of Minnesota. Eddie Guerrero died in the state of Minnesota. Mr. Perfect was born in the state of Minnesota. And it, 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 it's eerie because I've known this for the last 15 years or so when I was looking it up and I kept seeing Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. And this, like, this goes like way back too. Way back, so many, so many professional wrestlers that have died at an early age, or that have just, you know, let me rephrase that, so many wrestlers that have died at an early age have either been born in Minnesota, or have died in Minnesota, which is very eerie to me. But hopefully in the future, you know, I could do more research and, you know, have more uh, facts for you guys. But that was uh, that was my WWF facts for you guys, my World Wrestling Federation facts. And like I said, I wasn't trying to do the same facts and the same BS that everybody else was trying to do all over the Internet. Because one person has a fact and everybody else already knows it, the diehard wrestling fans. But yet you see the same facts on every single podcast. You're like, dude, we already know the last 78 freaking podcasts, before podcasts, let me rephrase that, before social media was even a thing. Back in 98, I could have told you every freaking rumor and every, you know, coincidence or whatever. These are legit facts that a lot of people probably aren't aware of. So with that said, thank you guys for listening. Nerd Square Circle, Political List Radio. So, because of Fight TV, I have no affiliation with them whatsoever. They are not endorsing us. We are not talking to them. This is strictly an opinion. Due to Fight TV... Professional wrestling has been more beautiful than ever. Can I give you my top three professional wrestling promotions of the week? Number three, NWA. Which is crazy because, in my opinion, it's been number one for like the last year and a half. I've been incredible about NWA. But since Fight TV, I've actually had the chance to actually, you know, check out a couple of other wrestling promotions, okay? Number two, and I'm not going to get into details why, that's, you know, this is just a quick freaking, you know, rundown real quick. Anyway, number two, SWE. I encourage everybody to watch SWE. For those who haven't... Southern Wrestling Entertainment. 
please watch SWE. And if I'm not mistaken, because I don't have my freaking notes in front of me, because I don't use notes. So if, if I got the name wrong, I'm pretty sure it's Southern Wrestling Entertainment. Anyways, remarkable. Teddy Long is in it. Then they got um, Rodney Mack, which is doing a phenomenal job. Rodney Mack is actually a force to be reckoned with in SWE. And they are, last week, I would have put them at number one. This week, they have to be number two. Because, can I talk to you for a second? Hardcore professional wrestling fans. Diehard professional wrestling fans. About a wrestling promotion that I recently discovered. Oh, by the way, um, NWA Hollywood is doing phenomenal. Hollywood wrestling is just check it out. But anyway, with that said, number one, Rocky Mountain Wrestling is freaking off the chain. And I watched the last episode and I had to watch like the last four before it, before I had to go to work or you know clean the apartment whatever <clears throat> but Rocky Mountain Wrestling or Rocky Mountain Pro I believe well top of my head I don't remember cause like I said I don't have the notes in front of me but go back for anybody who's listening to Fight TV and watch Rocky Mountain I'm asking you to. I am begging you to. Watch SWE. Of course, watch NWA. But this is... Wow. That's wrestling. That's some good wrestling. It really is. And I was watching it, and they had some stuff in there. I'm not going to lie. That was questionable. But I was watching it, and I said, hey, you know what? This is actually entertaining. They're not overdoing it and doing something stupid. This is actually entertaining. This is actually, you know, the questionable stuff. The rest of it was just, it was phenomenal. So that's my top three picks for the week. Last week, Hollywood would have been in there, most likely. But definitely this week, I would have to say... Number three will be NWA. Number two would actually be... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, But Like I was saying before, um, I brought this point up. I didn't actually bring it up on the podcast, though. May Valentine, which is phenomenal, okay? A year and a few months ago, right before the pandemic, when NWA uh, power was out, um, May Valentine was hanging out with Strictly Business. Was she part of Strictly Business? Like, what happened? Like, let's be honest. When she first came out, her mic skills, her presentation, it needed definitely a lot of work. She wasn't on NWA Power, you know, only but a month or two because, remember, the pandemic happened. And then all of a sudden, she just popped up again. And she's just... And this isn't hate on uh, Mae Valentine. This is actually a good thing because everybody just give her a hand. Like, Mae Valentine is so phenomenal right now. So great. Her mic skills is picked up. Her presentation is so, like, holy smokes, good for her. 
Honestly, I, she within a year, and she let's be honest. How much TV time did she get during the presentation? Next to none. Uh, the presentation, the pandemic. Excuse me, next to none. But May Valentine has done so phenomenal. Oh my goodness, that's literally like the most improved personality in professional wrestling. I have to say, within the last year, that is when. Wow, give her a hand. And then XWE, like I said, Texas Wrestling. Whew. They have done they have done a phenomenal job with promotional wise. Um the way their entrances is and uh, speaking of entrances, once again let's go uh right to Rocky Mountain. I didn't like, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't like um there were the, uh, the sergeants or, or the military guys that came out. Phenomenal faction, by the way. But the promo that the guy cut, it, he needed a lot of work on it. Because it just seemed like they gave him the mic and said, do you. And then he just, like, lagged on it. But I'm not here to shit on any promotion. I'm not. I'm actually here to talk good about professional wrestling. That was my only, my only, I guess you could say, tiff <laughs> about it. <laughs> but other than that, number one this week, in my in my opinion, is Rocky Mountain. It's phenomenal. If you have Fight TV, if you don't, I think Fight TV is only like two, three dollars or something like that. Like, look into it. It's not that expensive at all, folks. It's only a few dollars. And you get all the professional wrestling in the world. Like I said, we're not here at Politicalist Radio. Nobody's in affiliation with them. We're just here to actually talk positive about professional wrestling. Because for all those of you who are listening, oh, man, professional wrestling's gone down the drain. Oh, man, this is horrible. Oh, man, the shit that I watch on TV. And everybody has it. You know, everybody's tired of professional wrestling fans. Well, guess what? There's more professional wrestling out there than you think. Political is radio. Go ahead. Watch the professional wrestling. NWA, in my opinion... Watch Hollywood NWA. Watch NWA Power. SWE is freaking wow. I love the title. First of all, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Before I go, I am a huge title person. I love championship belts. The Texas, the SWE championship belt is beautiful, in my opinion. I think they did it phenomenal. And they got... The state of Texas, smack dab right there in the middle. It's just a beautiful looking belt. What that's that politicalist radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, politicalist radio. And we're gonna try this one more time. Only because we had to re-record this all over again. Once again, thank you, Peacock. Your app is so slow. Like, this is honestly... Sometimes I'm listening to the Peacock app, and I feel like I'm back in, like, 2002, waiting for my freaking whatever I'm watching to freaking upload. But whatever the case is, 
turn to your peacocks, grab your smokables, your edibles, your drinkables, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nerd Square Circle version, or portion, rather, of Political Disc Radio, and we're about to watch the one and the only, the classic, Starcade 83. And I got six minutes into it, and I had to press re-record because it just started lagging and pausing because, like I said, that's the app, whether it's on the phone, the computer, uh, excuse me, and PS4. So with no further ado, I'm going to do the countdown, three, two, one, and then play, and then we're going to start watching it. This is our watch-along, ladies and gentlemen, my very first watch-along. And right off the bat, before we press play, I just want to point out the production value in 1980, uh, November 1983, November 24th, so it's probably on Thanksgiving itself, I'm guesstimating, so November of 1983, which I personally was only a month old, <laughs> but anyway, um, what was I going to say, yeah, the production value between Starcade 83 or Starcade 1 if you want to call it and Wrestlemania 1 which is just named Wrestlemania it was not named Wrestlemania 1 when it first came out but anyway it's just remarkable I honestly have to say right off the bat that NWA a year and a half prior has the production value on lock there were a few hiccups but hey it's 1983 what do you expect and ladies and gentlemen Let's get into it. Three, two, one, and play. And here we go. Right into it. The Mass Assassins. And look at that suit right off the bat. Does that suit look familiar? The black bow tie. And look at that. Look at that title. Oh, wow. That is, is that the television championship? Because I'm looking at the side plates. I'm a, fa- I'm a huge fan of championships. And I'm looking at the side plates. And it does look like it's TV companies. The emblems like they do on a television championship. <laughs> or that could just be the um, the Carolina championship itself. Because it does have, I think, South Carolina. Or North Carolina, excuse me. And my guard's in the ring right now with uh, assassin number one, if I'm not mistaken. But for those who don't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is where they talk over their match. And this is the opening match. And you can clearly tell right from the beginning this match is specifically to get the, cra- uh, the crowd in the building itself while riled up. This is to get them, you know, their emotion, messing with their emotions. This is for everybody that's at home to get settled in, get their drink going, get their popcorn eaten, their ice cream going, and act, look at that view. Oh, my goodness. The Coliseum, you see how smoke-filled it is? That's when smoking was allowed. In 1983, smoking, especially down south, well, I don't want to say especially down south because we did it up here, too, in New York, let's be honest. But in 1983... It was allowed smoking, so it's a little bit smoke-filled, which is crazy to actually see that nowadays for everybody that's listening that wasn't around back then. 
and see all the smoke-filled Coliseum. Now, if you look right there at everybody in the background, see those guys right there that look like the tramps from uh, JFK's freaking from Daily Plaza? <laughs> now, th- those three guys, that's actually how people, if you look at the folks, that's actually how everybody dressed in the early to mid-1980s when you went to see a wrestling show. You didn't go, oh my goodness, look at that Jim Cornette outfit. I I honestly think Paul Jones and Jim Cornette, I got to see who had the outfit first, but it's got the bow tie and everything. Anyway, back to what I was saying now, if you look at the background, that's actually how people dressed and went to a wrestling show in the mid to late, uh, excuse me, early to mid late 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 1980s. Early to mid 1980s, that's how people actually dress. When you went to a professional wrestling show, they dress with some type of respect. To them, it's like you were going out to dinner in a movie or you're going to the opera or something like that. So let's get back to the act. Oh, one, once again, I don't know if I just said this or if I said it before when we were recording, I know that. The Greensboro Coliseum, right? Okay. This is actually, if I'm not mistaken, 15,449 people. That's supposedly um, the attendance. But it's professional wrestling, so you never know. WWE WrestleMania won a year and a half later at Madison Square Garden. Was only able to draw about 19,000, a little bit over 19,000 or something like that. So that's only a 4,000 person difference. And once again... We are lagging again, and we're back to the action. And Rufus R. Jones tags in, and the man is just, the fans are going nuts. They like them some Rufus R. Jones, and the hands are clapping in the background. Now, remember, folks, this is in the early to mid-1983, November 1983. Fans did not jump out of their seat and go ballistic, unless it was the main event, maybe. And that was it. Other than that, they yelled from their seats. They they clapped their hands and they threw stuff. They they threw stuff. They get back to WrestleMania three with Andre the Giant. That was not set up. That was not rigged. That was there were no plants in the audience. People legit threw stuff. And Rufus Jones right now with a headbutt. So that meat hook, that's a freaking arm right there. The bugs even grows right back in and they walked right to his corner, tagged in. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Smart thinking. I believe that's assassin number one, right? The big uh heavier set one. And you see the bass. The bass actually look really similar to the killer. Excuse me, to the killer bees. Back when the killer bees wore bass. Because remember the killer bees at one time they were wearing bass and then they weren't wearing bass. So those masks actually do look really similar to the killer bees. It's amazing that when you actually look at the wrestling tights. There is no designs on them whatsoever. Nobody ever really had designs on their tights, except, like, if you were a ravishing recruit or if you were, you know, a superstar Billy Graham. Other than that, you did not, like, even Roddy Piper at WWE or World Wrestling Federation at the time kept it simple. It was the blue tights, the blue knee pads. 
Hacksaw Jim Duggan, blue tights, blue knee pads. And it was funny when you'd see him in the ring at the same time because they would both be wearing the same exact thing, even Bob Backlund. Can you picture a Royal Rumble match with Backlund, um, Duggan, and Piper in the ring at the same time? It's all blue knee pads, black boots, and blue tights. <laughs> and the same, not one writing on any of them. And it got Rufus. Uh, I'm guessing his character, well, part of his characteristic is you, you can't punch him in the head because he's got a hard head. Uh, that's the freight chain. Rufus R. Jones right there. And where did Dusty Rhodes come up with that, huh? See that suck of the driving right there? You think that Dusty Rhodes created that? A lot of people, a lot of people have actually called Dusty Rhodes out on that. Arrested his soul. Well, that ring is definitely, it's a smaller ring than usual. You can definitely tell. I definitely don't like that camera angle. The sky angle, if you watch the sky angle, it looks, the, the, the ring needs to be lifted more. That's what it is. There should be no reason why the, actually no, the ring's, at, if you look at Paul Jones, I'm not sure how tall Paul Jones is, but I would say he's a decent size. Yeah, if you look at the ring, I, I don't know if the ring is actually smaller than it's supposed to be, but yeah, the sky view is not a good view. Like, that's a great view. I guess you can call that the modern... Back then, I guess that was the hard cam. Obviously, it's moving, so it's the main camera, I guess you would call it back in the day. And then the tag is the hot tag, and listen to the crowd go nuts. And he's slapping his head. Who the hell used to slap their head like that? It just recently, I think. Um, hold on. Who the hell used to do that? Uh, quite a few wrestlers used to do that. To slap their face or their head. Oh, the atomic drop. I don't think I see the atomic drop anymore. And if, if you do see it, it's not really that atomic. Oh, and the roll up from behind, and the three count, and the three count, just to piss the audience off. Well, that booing, you could tell that booing itself was definitely piped in, they, they threw it in, because you could always tell by the audience reaction, and by the way, it just comes up out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? It just goes away out of nowhere. Now, if you listen to the background right here, you can definitely tell they're doing this while there's a match going on in the background. You can definitely tell because you can hear the audience going nuts and you can hear the slamming of the ring, the whole nine. And the late great Gordon Soli right there. Look at that blazer he's wearing. Oh my goodness, that blazer looks unbelievable. That tie is phenomenal. 
Harley Race. Oh, and by the way, here's Tony Schiavone. Look how young he looks. Oh, my goodness. And look at the Boogie Woogie Man. And there's, woof, Ric Flair in the background talking to Roddy Piper. I didn't know they had couches and chairs in the dressing room back then. Now they would not have it. It's so unsanitary. And look at Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Both of them men. Oh, and there's, um... What's his name? Jay Youngblood. I believe that's who that was. But I highly doubt that they actually had couches and chairs like that and a table set up <laughs> in locker rooms. Especially like with athletes in the 1980s. Do you know how many bow sacks would be on that freaking locker on that table or that chair? It would not happen like that. So that's definitely set up. Tony Savani looks so young. That's... Hey. He went from NWA to WWF to WCW. Now he's in AEW. He's also in TNA. <laughs> the man needs to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. He needs a Lifetime Achievement Award. And Johnny Weaver looks like and there's Scott McGee who was actually trained by Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Ric Flair and a few other people and there's the late Gary Hart rest his soul and standing right behind him Kevin Sullivan the Taskmaster himself now I'm confused if you guys are listening why Kevin Sullivan never made his way to the World Wrestling Federation whether it was in the 80s or even the 90s or, or even as a manager in the 2000s Kevin Sullivan should have definitely been in the World Wrestling Federation that I am definitely confused about now another tag team match and I could have just one we had a tag team match Kevin Sullivan's in the ring first and you're not gonna out wrestle Kevin Sullivan the man's a worker that's a grappler right there would you think you call him a hooker or a stretcher a drop kick again Oh, man. And look at this freaking mountain right here. Believe it or not, um, what the hell is his name? I apologize, folks. I'll get his name in a second. And, and uh, Lewin. I forgot his first name. But Lewin is his name. He's still alive. 86 years old. He was born in the 1930s. Kevin Sullivan, once again, there's a man that needed to be, and Johnny Weaver, not to uh, segue or just cut myself off, but Johnny Weaver, he looks like a mix of, uh, I want to say, 
I was thinking Pat O'Connor maybe he just has that resemblance between that speaking of which to segue again Lewin actually he actually looks like what today would be um, Tim Storm from NWA now he's in SWE which is I believe he's in SWE if I'm not mistaken but yeah, McGee looks like, um, I, I want to say Pat O'Connor and, and in the face itself, Pat o, a mix of Pat O'Connor and like Brutal San Martino. And once again, look at the tights, folks. Plain black tights, plain bad. This guy, uh, McGee actually has the body type of a young uh, David San Martino, actually. And of course, Kevin Sullivan has the purple tights, and he does have an emblem. He does have a design on the side. Look at him, blue pants right now for the from that referee, folks. Wow, is he wearing wrestling boots? He's wearing wrestling boots. Look at that. That referee's wow, he's got he's styling right now. If you look at that referee, he's got the wrestling boots on underneath his uh blue jeans. I don't even know if you call them blue jeans, but they're blue in their jeans, so they're blue jeans. Maybe they're corduroys. By the way, corduroys need to make a, 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 a comeback. I have a pair of corduroys, I still rock them to this day. This man is a machine. Lewin is a machine. Look at this man. Mark Lewin. That's what his first name is. Scott McGee. I don't think that's any relation to actually... uh, What's his name? The other McGee. The one that wrestled Bret Hart and had the freaking four turnbuckle match. That's my rating for wrestling matches. Four turnbuckles. I don't think anybody... Four four current corner posts. Because technically it's four corners, but three turnbuckles, so there'd be 12 turnbuckles. <laughs> and there's the blind tag. And you see how they have what a tag team this is right here. You see how they have the constant tags and they're keeping them in the corner, in their corner. But the only problem is they're not keeping his back turned towards their corner so they can pull him in at any time. They're not cutting him off. And you hear that bell in the background, folks. That's actually, I believe, the five-minute mark, if I'm not mistaken. They have that bell in the background back in the day. That actually helps the wrestlers out themselves, too, to tell, okay, this is how much time you have left. And Lewin is just a machine, man. I think I... I have to do my history on Lewin, and I apologize for all that are listening and like you don't know about this guy. I apologize, but I have to do my research. But this man, he, he's a decade or two too late, maybe a decade and a half too late. That man could have been freaking. Oh, here we go. And Johnny Weaver, I believe, is from England, if I'm not mistaken. 
You could tell by the ears. That was an easy pinfall breakup for him. And another Bulldog, which at one time in the World Wrestling Federation was actually one of Roddy Piper's. If it wasn't his finishing maneuver, it was a signature maneuver. Because he did have the, um, the sleeper hold. But he did have, he did use the freaking, the Bulldog to his advantage. He won the Intercontinental title with the sleeper hold, actually. From the Mountie. And then lost to Bret Hart. Technically, even though the referee counted three. and See what I mean? That face itself looks like a mix of Pat O'Connor and Bruno San Martino. Oh, my goodness. Look at, they would have snapped his freaking arm right out of his socket right there. Yeah, just pull it. Pull it. Yeah. Bam. See that? And that's November of 83. Three. And that's done. And that's the finish. See how simple that finish was? And then drop kick to Gary Hart. And look, look. Took the foreign object out of his boot. Now watch this, folks. Look, Kevin Sullivan, you can see he does just as bad as a blade job as Captain Lou Albano does. Clear as day. Clear as day. So you know what's coming next. There we go. And bam! And Angelo Mosca, who was supposed to be a referee later on in the night. Now he's busting him open. The great Angelo Mosca. And they jacked him on. And this is only, I believe, the second match, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh! Oh! And I guarantee you, folks, it's either there's a razor on the end of that, or it's just a rolled-up duct tape with, like, toilet paper or towel, paper towel or something in it. But yeah, um, Kevin Sullivan, if you look back, you can clearly see Kevin Sullivan was the one who actually um, bladed him, gave him color, sliced him open, however you want to call it. Which is actually really, really um, a no-no in the professional wrestling business, so it turned into a no-no. Because you're better off having somebody else, actually. Uh, let me phrase that. You're better off having yourself blade yourself than have somebody else do it. Unless the person's a real... Yeah, well, Kevin Sullivan is a professional in every way, so... And Moss is carrying him out. And it's... Wow, Moss has still got size on him. He looks like it's just the Incredible Hulk, Lou Ferrigno. And once again, folks, you can tell the production value is definitely, in my opinion, it's definitely a lot better at Starcade 1983 than it was a year and a half later at WWF WrestleMania 1. Because remember, Lord Alfred Hayes, bless his soul, but the man can't do for <laughs> He could not cut the back room into uh, the backstage commentary or the locker room comment, whatever you want. He was stuttering over his words and... 
look at this, this production value is just so superb compared to WrestleMania 1, and I'm not shitting on WrestleMania 1, I'm actually watching this in comparison, where are you from? And the first match, Tony... Oh, wow, is Briscoe in there? Greg Valentine, Harley Race. Gerald Briscoe is there, too. And Jerry Briscoe. Look at that, folks. Wow. I'm Sir Vince McMahon is freaking... Not happy. I, this is probably... I don't know if Vince McMahon's ever seen Starcade, but probably not because of this. Or if you did see it after the fact... Hold on a second. Let's listen to Harley Race's... Uh, See, if you listen to Harley Race's commentary, this is why I love Don Morocco as a promo, as a stickman. Don Morocco and Harley Race is almost like just equal to each other. Because he's got that rough voice, but he's still just like Jake Roberts. But Jake Roberts did raise his voice every now and then. Don Morocco and Harley Race, they cut almost the same exact promos. That's one hell of a suit, by the way. There's Abdul Little Butcher. I have no respect for him, by the way. And there's the father of Carlito. There's the uncle of uh, Primo and Epico. I believe Primo and Epico. Or not Primo and Epico. Yeah, Primo and Epico. Now, this is probably going to be a brutal match because Abdul Little Butcher is in it and he can't really have a good match. By the way, did anybody see, uh, I believe it was Abdul Little Butcher versus Zeus. Rest his soul, Tiny Zeus Lister. I don't know if it was in Puerto Rico or where it was, but for anybody who says Zeus has never had a good match. Oh, see, told you, it's coming out already. It's coming out already. But as I was saying, anyway, watch Abdul Little Butcher, I believe it's Abdul Little Butcher, versus Zeus, Tiny Zeus Debo, or Lister, excuse me, who played Debo on Friday. <coughs> and he was also on The Fifth Element, and a few other movies, but watch that match, and that's a brutal match. That was a match with, like, they just beat the piss out of each other the entire match. And I watched it just a few years ago, I ran into it, and I was watching it, and I said, Holy, what happened in World Wrestling Federation? Like, honestly, they beat the piss out of it. And it was a great match for two guys who couldn't wrestle a lick. Well, he's got a, you see that? He's got a cuffed under, underneath the, nope, that's his deodorant. Never mind. But Abdullah Bixler is just so horrible as a wrestler, a human being himself, like. 
he was just really I had respect for him man this guy like he solidified hardcore and this and that but no he was very very dangerous and very very disgusting with the things that he knowingly did in the ring I mean if you wanted to you can compare him to New Jack but New Jack never knowingly freaking cut himself and then cut somebody else open you know what I'm saying because <clears throat> if I, I, in my opinion, if you ask him, New Jack likes his shit the hard way. You bust him open, he busts you open. Now you guys are even. Have a beer afterwards. That's it. No, uh, Abdullah the Butcher would see right there. Now it's being used on him after it was just used on freaking Carlos Colon. And remember, folks, this is around the time that AIDS was becoming really, 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 really big when it was just coming out and, you know, people knew nothing about it. Compare AIDS to the modern-day freaking coronavirus. Only people weren't walking around wearing masks left and right. It was only condoms. But same difference, you know, people very, very... We had no idea what the hell was going on for a while, a long time. And I bet you, oh, wow, yeah, they don't do that, oh, actually they do, oh, God, now he's freaking, oh, disgusting, disgusting, yeah, it's Carlos Colon, I'm sorry, it's, that is, and then I guarantee you, within a few minutes, he's gonna turn that around and actually use that same, that same exact blade on Carlos Colon. And stuff like this, along obviously with the steroid accusations and all that. Well, they weren't accusations; they were. It was a scandal. Let's be honest; they were juicing. Not every wrestler, but a lot of them. <clears throat> anyway, it's shit like that that made the athletic commission come down hard on professional wrestling. When you saw stuff like that, because remember, you had to have the athletic commission there. And Carlos Colon is making a comeback right now. But here's a, here's an interesting fact, folks. A lot of people like to say, because, you know, World Wrestling Federation or WWE makes up their own history sometimes. And once again, I'm not shitting on WWE. I'm a huge WWE fan. I just have to call it as it is. WWE, oh, a figure four. That I did not expect to see. Who the hell was that? That was a sock. You get that in prison. Oh, wait. Is that Rikishi? Hugo Savanovic. Ladies and gentlemen, the Spanish announcer from World Wrestling Entertainment from WWE. He's the man that falls down even when nobody touched him. Hugo Savanovic. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That was, yeah, I knew Hugo Savadovic. I think, I, I think at one time Hugo Savadovic was either a wrestler or a manager or something like that. I think he was a wrestler at one time. There we go. You want to learn how to cut a promo? Listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> 
you see you see the passion in his eyes it almost looks like he's it actually looks like he's crying while he, he's crying while he's saying it and this is not freaking scripted folks this is this is an actual promo that he cut off the top of his head because remember folks you're dealing with some professionals here this is not no shit that you have to write out your own promo and then you know no 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 well you don't have to write out your own promo they write out the promo for you nowadays and look at that look at that my goodness Oh, man, what a beautiful sight. Once again, production value. NWA Starcade definitely has it over uh, WrestleMania 1. Because remember, this was October, uh, November 18, uh, 1982. Let me rephrase that, verbal diarrhea. Remember, Starcade 83, Starcade 1, the one that we are watching right now, it's November of 83. A year and a half later, that's when WrestleMania 1 came around. Charlie Brown, a.k.a. the Boogie Woogie Man. Now let's go to the next match. I believe this is the third match now. Oh, here we go. It's Cowboy Bob Orton. Who is Bob Orton Jr. then, obviously? I will say Youngblood. Jay Youngblood. Oh, Mark Youngblood, I was wrong. Excuse me, I was way off. Oh my goodness, I was saying, I tell a lie. I was mistaken. My goodness. Dirty Dick Slater. Look at Bob Orton, still wearing the same shit that he wore his entire, pretty much his entire, he ain't got the cast on, but he's still wearing the same exact shit. That is so funny. Two Indians in one quarter. Oh my goodness. My how times have changed. So if you're looking to... Hold on a second. Oh, they cut his mic off, huh? Somebody's... Yeah, and Dusty Rhodes comes out. I forgot Dusty Rhodes was here. Who at the time was the two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Now, if you look in the background, folks, now you see the lighting? The lighting's actually a little bit red. I don't know if that's they did that on purpose to color it red or it just happens as coincidence. But if you look at the lighting in the background... That did not happen at all until modern-day WWE. 
which is, that's phenomenal because keep in mind this is nwa this was uh when this was aired if i'm not mistaken this was actually aired strictly down south i don't believe this is actually aired up here in new the new york area or the northern area even northern california or washington seattle washington shout out to seattle washington by the way And this is why Dick Slater is great. You see that? And now the lock up. Oh, that's good. Now, folks, if I'm not mistaken, this is the third damn tag team match that we were watching. Which is crazy. I know um, if you, there's a lot of promotions, which you guys got to realize, in territories and promotions back in the day, in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and I dare say up into the 80s too. There were a lot of um, different styles of promotions. One promotion focused mainly on who was the world champion. One promotion's promotion uh, focused mainly on technical wrestling. WWE was obviously, they were big bodies at the time, big bodies and world champion. Uh, another promotion focused on strictly mainly tag team uh, wrestling. So, but I was surprised. Three tag team matches in a row. Wow, look at all that blood splattered around. Now you can tell, you can definitely tell, folks, the difference between modern day wrestling now and wrestling then. That then is now you there would definitely no way they would not have sanit- they would have not have had another match without that being sanitized and something covering it up. But that definitely, one way or another, would have been try, at least try, uh, attempted to be scrubbed out or sanitized. <clears throat> and Bob Orton, who was also a WrestleMania one, and oddly enough, he was actually in a tag team match. He wasn't wrestling in a tag team match, but he was still in a tag team match in the main event. Now, keep in mind, folks, the main event of WrestleMania one, it did include the world champion Hulk Hogan, but it was a tag team match, the main event. Where is Starcade 1983? Starcade 1 was actually a cage match between Ric Flair and Harley Race for the world title, the NWA world title. What a beautiful title that is! What a beautiful title that is. Crack another beer, folks. And I'm not copying any other podcast, by the way. I drink a lot of beer. Yeah. And watch Bob Orton. You can definitely see. Look, look at that. Look at that. Did you not see Randy Orton right there? Did you see that snake-like? 
he just right right underneath the ropes, backwards, man. Look at that. You see Randy Orton all in him. They're so snake-like. Look at that. He's even got, except for, you know, the pot belly. <laughs> He's got the same, pretty much the same figure, too. Look at that. A alike. You see the resemblance in a young Bob Orton and a young, uh, and a modern day now at this age. I hate using the term modern day constantly, but nowadays, Randy Orton. You definitely see the resemblance, 100%. Except for Bob Orton's pop belly. But you see the, the rest of, look at that. Bam! Now keep in mind, folks, Randy Orton's a third-generation wrestler. Bob Orton is a second-generation wrestler in, in, in WWE. But apparently, allegedly, I don't know how true it is. Uh, you would have to ask Haku when you see him, or Meng, or whatever you want to call him. But allegedly, Haku is actually a fifth-generation wrestler. I haven't read the Bloodlines, but I've actually heard that, that he's actually a fifth-generation wrestler. And if you're going to talk about um, first-generation superstars, because remember, just because you're a wrestler or a superstar doesn't mean you're a wrestler. Lillian Garcia was never a wrestler, and she's a WWE superstar. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, my God. Look at that. Do you see the seat? Those are some guardrails right there. Drop somebody chin first on that guardrail. See, or chest first on that guardrail even. You know how much that would hurt? And there's the junkyard headbutt. What's the headbutt, in my opinion? Have you ever headbutted somebody? It doesn't work. You end up jacking yourself up. I meant you were tough back in the day in the 80s and 90s professional wrestling. In my opinion, it's just the headbutt now. It's really, it's, it's a pet peeve of mine. Because when you headbutt somebody now, it's just, to me, it's like, that's going to hurt you as much as it hurts them. And it's going to rattle your brain. Literally, it's going to rattle your brain. And here comes the comeback. Now, remember, folks, remember what I was saying about the same wrestling tights, right? Except for the knee pads and the boots, the wrestling tights themselves are the same. Red wrestling tights, but yet they're opponents. Look at that hairdo. Look at that face. Tell me that is not a face of Randy Orton right there. Speaking of young, young Bob Orton, wow. 
Slater should have definitely ran over and knocked his opponent right off the apron. Mike McDaniel, excuse me, Wahoo McDaniel. Native American, but he's got an Irish last name. Vertical souffle. Yes, folks. A suplex was actually called, you know, tomato, tomato. But back in the day, a suplex was actually called a souffle back in the day. Just like a hurricane runner and a hurricane runner. Same difference. It's just tomato, tomato. Reversing the pile driver. Yeah, the, the ring is definitely smaller. I think a typical, what, professional wrestling ring is 16 by 16, if I'm not mistaken. This looks like a 12 by 12. And now Wahoo gets in, and now you see the fans, right? Some of them, some of them are standing and yelling because Wahoo is in. You're barely going to see that in um, 1980s professional wrestling, like I said, unless it's a major, major star or it's the world title match. You're barely, barely going to see people actually standing. They will sit in their seats and their blazers and their winter jackets and scream and yell and clap and boo and throw shit from their seats. That was swift. Nah, he's got her. That's a mistake. See, one, he's got him too close to the rope. Two, he's got to drag him over to his corner. Why doesn't anybody do that anymore? I used to love that because in, in real life, if you did that to somebody, you would jack their head up. I don't know why, I've never, I I don't believe I've seen that done anymore. And it needs to come back and get rid of the headbutt. And back body drop, bam. Oh, the belly to back. So what's the difference between the belly to back one, two, and a kick out? What's the difference between the belly to back suplex and a backdrop? Well, belly to back, uh, yeah, never mind. I just answered my own question. And folks, once again, if you're listening, thank you guys for still listening and tuning in. This is the third match, and part two will continue as soon as this match is over, so please tune into that one. And we have uh, a couple of other professional wrestling. If you guys are into professional wrestling and you haven't even heard this station yet, there is a number, a number of professional wrestling podcasts that we have. Please check those out as well. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we're still going. Like I said, right after this match, please tune in to part three. Uh, part two, excuse me. And once again, I'm still confused as to why they have three straight tag team matches. 
But the production value, once again, you go back and watch it, and it, it's wow, it is so superb. So superb. And folks, um, please, if you're listening, please pause. Please pause your uh, peacocks real quick for two seconds. Okay, now I'm pausing. Sorry. Don't blame me. Blame Peacock. Peacock app is horrible. And it's lagging again. Well, folks, I guess that calls for a bathroom break. I apologize. Once again, don't blame me. Blame Peacock. This is how horrible. Pause this real quick, and we'll get back in two seconds. And right now, um, Mark Youngblood just actually made the tag into the ring. And Slater's in the corner with McDaniels. So we're going to pause it at right there, folks. And we're going to go take a short bathroom break. And please tune in to part two. I apologize once again. Don't blame me. Blame Peacock. Because they, the app is just, I feel like I'm in 2002. Because it is slow. And it lags. So, once again, we'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in, folks. Part two is coming right up. Welcome back, folks, and we are on part two of the Starcade 83 Watch Along. For those who are watching, please tune in to part one and part three for that matter. Also, we are currently on 46 minutes and 3 seconds. So, with that said, pause it, get yourselves, you know, what you gotta do, and we are back. And on 3, 2, 1. And we are watching the action once again, ladies and gentlemen, in the tag team match. And, and I apologize about uh, part 1, the end of part 1, because we started to lag uh, at the end. And once again, please blame that on Peacock. Oh, the blind tag. And Slater. Slater and Bob Orton is just the greatest tag team. And that's what I was saying in part one, ladies and gentlemen. Bob Orton, you just watch him the way he is in the ring, and you see Randy, you see Bob Orton all in Randy Orton when you see Randy Orton wrestle right now, even in the facial area. Holy moly! And now here comes the double team, the double suplex. And Orton's got young blood set up in the corner. This is going to be great. Oh, with the quickness. And the cover two, it's over. That's over. That ain't a two. Yeah, yeah, it's done. So young blood, uh, young blood took the fall with the tag team itself because it, uh, Wahoo McDaniel actually still looks good in the end. It was equivalent, if you watch the finish, it was equivalent to the Hulk Hogan cook, uh, kick out at WrestleMania 6.
Oh, oh, wow, watch this. They're gonna break that arm. Well, maybe not. Should have came off of the top. There we go. I guess it, either the positioning was there. We go. Okay. I'm not sure why they switched positions. Well, somebody screwed up right there, but for some reason they switched positions. And I think, I think the Ricky Steamboat match is actually coming up next. I think. I could be mistaken. But we had three tag team matches in a row. And Wahoo is, whew, he's definitely hurt right there. Rocking the Dusty Road uh, boots. Don't lie like those on Dusty Road boots. And folks, here is the nature boy himself, Ric Flair. Woo! And then there's Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat right there. Okay, so Mark Youngblood was just in the ring. Now remember, folks, when they were just here about maybe 15 minutes ago, were there not like just a whole rack full, well, not a rack full of freaking uh, blazers and, and sweaters, and but there was definitely that rack was definitely a lot fuller about 20 minutes ago. So it makes me wonder if that was actually a pre-tape the entire time, unless I'm mistaken. Now, folks, for those who are watching along, right, and I hope you would because otherwise it would be pretty boring because you would have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> but for those who are watching along, okay, Ricky Steamboat, when he first started out, he was actually, his real name is Richard Blood. But when he first started out, obviously, he was a face and stayed, if I'm not mistaken, he stayed a face. I think probably the only wrestler who's ever, besides Bruno San Martino, I don't think Bruno San Martino was ever a heel. I could be mistaken, but Ricky Steamboat stayed a face his entire career, so he couldn't, there was no way they can actually call him uh, Richard Blood or Ricky Blood. Because if you're a, he, a face, a good, a good guy, you know, ah, production screw up. Wow. Their audio, they, see, that's not the first time that's happened either. Their microphone audio, I think it might be that microphone in general. Because that happened with the referee uh, right before they brought out Dusty Rhodes. Because he introduced Dusty Rhodes, and, but for some reason they never showed Dusty Rhodes. And then they come back, and now Dusty Rhodes is here right after the match. And they're having microphone problems again. 
so it makes you wonder if they were actually recording it and then cutting and editing it and then threw it on and at the end it said, hey, screw it. You know what? Just put it on anyway. We're going to have to put it on eventually. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look at that hair, man. I wonder if he's actually that blonde or he was actually dying it. Because remember, uh, Dustin Reynolds, Goldust, or Dustin Rose, whatever you want to call him, he had some bleach, bleach blonde hair. Even when he was Goldust, when he was the natural. And now it's not as blonde as it was. I like that title. It's actually, what the hell? Oh, is that the great Kabuki? And there's the Boogie Woogie Man. Charlie Brown. A.K.A. Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. The Great Kabuki. If you don't know who he is, folks, definitely watch The Great Kabuki. There's Gary Hart in the background. Man, that Greg Kabuki was just that he was great. I remember as a kid just reading about the Great Kabuki in Pro Wrestling Illustrated in the 80s and the 90s. He's got the mist. Then here we go. This is going to be a fight. And they're about to fist fight. Yeah, here we right into it. Right into it. Now this is a fight. Here we go. And this is one of the reasons why the Valiants are actually... Oh, uh, what was it, WrestleMania 2? I don't believe it was one. It might have been one. I believe it was WrestleMania 2, actually. No, it was WrestleMania 2. When uh, Jimmy Valiant's brother, actually, the Valiant brothers, because... They were, I believe, the first tag team, actually, in the WWE Hall of Fame, then the World Wrestling Federation, with the Value Brothers themselves. Oh, wow, watch this. And you did not see this in the 80s. You did not see that until the mid-90s in World Wrestling Federation. Actually, no, you might have saw it in the early 90s from Hogan, who was supposed to be a face, which is confusing. But Gary Hart's back out there, and uh, Gary Hart was the Bobby Heenan from back in his day. I mean, he didn't have the wrestler, he didn't have the uh, the mic skills, but he was in like almost that. Oh, you, I dare say Jimmy Hart, even. You can call him the Jimmy Hart, even though he didn't have the microphone. You see that? Ric Flair did the same exact thing right there. When he looked at the ref and said, I don't know what you're talking about. And the whole time he had his shin bone right in his neck, choking him out. Ric Flair's done that quite a few times. I've seen Ric Flair doing that. And then a sleeper hold. Which even in the early 90s was still a devastating maneuver, folks. You got to realize Roddy Piper had the sleeper hold, right? Then you had the Cobra, uh, the Cobra Clutch 
And then you had the Million Dollar Dream, which was pretty much the same thing. I think it was a little inverted, but a sleeper was a sleeper. In the 80s and, and even the 70s and the 90s too, up until the mid-90s about, oh, the early 90s, excuse me. You had a sleeper hold on you, you're done. But you're fighting the great Kabuki. He's got the mist all over him already. He made a mistake and spit it all out before the match even started. I don't think this is over. Once again, even though the match will be over, you're fighting. Do you see what I mean? Now, have you heard what he just said? Gordon Soley, the man. You can hear a lot of Jim Ross in him, too. Jim Ross definitely emulized him. By the way, once again... Wrestling knowledge, Jim Ross was not always an actual announcer. Jim Ross was actually a referee at first. And then went into announcing. But if you ever listen to uh, early 1990s WCW, and Jim Ross was there, you can hear the speed in Jim Ross's voice, the high-pitched southern accent. Like, it's just... It's amazing when you actually watch Starcade, the very first Starcade. It's amazing that you can actually see and hear a lot of modern day and even old school wrestlers and managers and announcers and everything that's going on right now. Well, back then, excuse me, or right now, whichever way you want to place it. And the great Kabuki, I know a lot of wrestlers right now have heard of the great Muda because he's recently been in TNA and wherever else he's been. But great Kabuki is just, man. For all those old school wrestling fans out there, okay? Now, remember, there was no internet back then. And you're going to hear this a lot from a lot of old school guys. They stress the fact there was no internet back then. You know what our internet was? Going to the nearest pathmark, or I don't know what they had down south, but up here in New York, it was going to the nearest pathmark and grabbing Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and that was your internet. And you had it once a month, so you better take that magazine and you better read it. 17 times a day <laughs> and memorize it front to back and that's when I, uh, I figured out that oh wow who, who who is this you know Bruno San Martino guy oh man he had a son back in the day David son because remember this is you know before I started watching professional wrestling now look at that does he have the claw is that the claw Yeah, get that close-up of it, because I need to see... I hate the hard cam shot, because you don't see... Yeah, he has the claw on him. Wow. This is actually really, really good. This is a good match. This is definitely, I would have to say, this is definitely the sleeper match of the night. Because he's got the claw. And folks don't understand. I'm not talking about the great Kali claw. I'm talking about the, the claw from back in the day. And if you see the great Kabuki, if you look at his boots right there, 
You see how they're not actually wrestling boots, but they're actually like shoes and they're those are double toed almost. You see you see what I'm talking about right there? Once I was just about to say once again, but the announcer said it, so I'm going to wait a second because then it just sounds like I'm trying to copy the announcer, but no, I wasn't trying to, but the great Kabuki, okay, you see how innovative he is, like, watch his wrestle, like, his shoes itself, alright, then he's got the mist, the face paint, the whole nine, this really wasn't around back in the day. And Charlie Brown's just the man to begin with. Oof, hard. He went in hard. Now look at his leg shaking. And the fans are going nuts. And the claw again. I don't know why he had to go up to the top rope for the claw, but... I guess he tried to add some oomph to it, but it's the claw. You don't need to. And once again, folks, for those who don't understand, I'm judging this on 1983 professional wrestling, not 2021 professional wrestling. Like a lot of you listen to a lot of podcasts, and they're comparing it to 2021. Oh, well, it still holds up to today's standards. Oh, well, this is a little outdated. No, and I'm comparing this to 1983 professional wrestling. The lighting is just so beautiful, too. Oh, my goodness. And you see, look at that camera work and the hard cam again. Well, I guess it's the main cam. I wouldn't call it the hard cam because it's it's not actually still. It's actually moving. Big mistake. Now you see on the other side of the ring how that, that cameraman is right there. They should have, oh, right there, they should have switched right to the cameraman when he jumped off that top rope. Because they would have had the headshot right there. They would have had the pinfall. They would have had the referee, the shoulders. They would have had that whole freaking... Oh, and they're going for the mask right now. And he's trying to pull off the mask. What do you call it? A sabak-like blow? Maybe I misunderstood that or maybe I misheard it, but that's, that's what it sounded like he said. And folks, watch this. If I could do some play-by-play. Now, he's quote-unquote hulking up before hulking up was actually a thing. And then he, here's the comeback, and now he's fired up, and then another one on the right. And then he's whipping. Oh, Wow. You see that? He reversed it without actually going in. Now, what I mean going in is then it's a three count. 
Now, what I mean by going in is now when one guy is in the corner, right? Now, let's say I have my opponent in the corner. I, you already know it's a reversal because the guy that's on the outside that's not in the corner leans way into the person that's in the corner and then he whips him. I've known, I've noticed that years ago. Leans right into him. And then he whips him into the corner. As soon as you see that, it's a reversal. And then, bam, that's when the reversal happens. There was no leaning. There was no nothing. And once again, if you listen to part one, listen to part two. Because I, well, this is part two. But if you're listening to part two, this guy is young. But anyway, let's go back. I was saying it a few times in part one. If you're listening, look look at the production value between, once again, the backstage interviews and whatnot compared to Starcade 83 to a year and a half later at WrestleMania 1. No offense to Mean Gene, he's the man, but he had nothing to do with the production value itself. He's not Vince McMahon. And Gordon Soley's outfit is just... I would rock that. I'm sorry. That tie is freaking... Woo! Look how the lighting hits it. You see how his tie is turning different colors from the way the lighting's hitting it? Gordon Soli's got the outfit on. I would definitely rock that. I don't care who don't like it. I would definitely rock that. Screw that. And now they're trying to see. This is actually smart. Because they brought up the Roddy Piper Greg Valentine match once. Anytime they brought up any other match, it was the world title match. Now they're here in the back locker room area or the interviewing area, whatever you want to call it. And they're actually, now they're actually digging deeper into the dog collar match. Because that's the second match. Oh, the second main event. You see how they did that? Take notice, folks. Oh, look at these badasses. Tony Savoni. As the announcer said in the first match, Tony Savoni. And once again, folks. Okay. Do you hear the voice? Do you hear the accent? The face and everything, except for the hair. Obviously, Randy Orton does not have curly hair by any means. But he is just A-alike. In the words of Roddy Piper, nothing but honesty in that family. Now you hear that, folks? There is no screaming. There is no freaking... Listen to that promo, man. The three of them. Just... 
rough voices for soft spoken and people paid attention and just listen to this for a second listen to this promo for a second Remember, the, the promoters did not script this. This was Harley Race's promo. That's all his words. That's all Dick Slater's words. That's all Bob Orton's words. This The promos were not scripted back in the day. If you couldn't cut a promo, you weren't getting promo time. And yes, it did work against you. Is he a uh, his celebrated baby? I am the flower power. See. And this is what I was confused about Dusty Rhodes is when he would wear the tuxedos. Because I'm not talking about World Wrestling Federation. I'm talking about in general. Everybody related to Dusty Rhodes because he was the, I don't want to say common man, but he was the everyman. You know what I'm saying? Like, he had his faults. He had his... He wasn't your star-studded bodybuilder. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That the, the wrestling world tried to portray back in the day. You know, was, he was your everyman. So I didn't understand why Dusty Rhodes started wearing tuxedos or, you know, three-piece suits or whatever. You, oh, here we go, folks. Oh, here we go. Oh, look at that title. Look at that title right there. Oh, that's beautiful. Look at that freaking wig on this mofo right here in the corner. <laughs> that's great. That's great. <laughs> from Seattle, Washington. For everybody from Seattle, Washington. Yep. It's not a mugshot. You don't have to. Whatever. <laughs> oh, man. Look at that. Now, folks, if I could go, because I hate comparing shit to these days, because I'm comparing it to 1983. Now, let's compare it right now. Correct Amber Valentine's or any wrestler. Getting a door collar strapped onto them. At this day and age, like, it's 
it'll be unheard of. In WWE, AEW, please do it. NWA, bring back the door collar match. Imagine Nick Aldis versus, and I haven't watched the last two episodes of NWA Power, and I'm about to. Once I'm done with this, this, this is phenomenal. And by the way, this is actually the first time that once you're hearing this, and trust me, I am a huge, huge professional wrestling fan. Obviously, as you guys could tell, I have my knowledge and everything. But this is actually the first time I'm actually watching Starcade front to back. And I'm glad you thank you guys so much for being here and listening to this with me. And personally, I don't know who the hell that guy is standing next to Greg the Hammer Valentine with the Ric Flair hairdo, but that man is just, he's intense. Look at his face. He looks like he's in the match. (laughs) He looks like, oh, oh, here we go. Look at that. And Greg Valentine, I just met Greg Valentine recently. Rest in, rest, rest, rest in peace, Rowdy Piper. I wish I would have met him. But I just met Greg Valentine recently. Hung over like a motherfucker. I wasn't hung over like a motherfucker. Greg Valentine was hung over. And it was in uh, Kobach, actually. At the wrestling, pro wrestling universe. I met Billy Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Now look at this. Look at this, folks. You're going to hear me cut my conversations off real quick to get back to the action, but look at that. I've not even touched each other. There you go. And remember what I said about matching tights. each other once and it was with the chain and that's it and then they backed up and now this is a match folks this is a match you need to study and ducks and ducks again <sighs> I remember Main event of WrestleMania 1, Roddy Piper was in that main event. The very first match was Greg Dabberville. No, it wasn't. It was Tito Santana. I'm lying. But it was a feud with Greg Dabberville. Greg Dabberville was actually in the Continental Champion at the time. A year and a half later after this, after Starcade. Then he faced the Junkyard Dog. Which uh, Greg Dabberville was successful in retaining his title. Even though it was a countout. Oh, right to the leg. And keep in mind, folks, this is a real chain and a real dog collar. There's really spikes in it. There's nothing, like, gimmicked about this freaking match except for the name of the match. Or, or the type of match. That's the only gimmick that there is about the match. Is the type of match. But it's actually a real dog collar. It's actually a real chain. And it hurts. You don't believe me? 
act this match out right now. See how bad that chain and the door collar freaking actually hurts with spikes on it. I believe that was Roddy Piper's idea. He, I, I believe Roddy Piper was actually the one who got those spike door collars. So, uh, now that we're here, folks, let's get into some action and some play-by-play since you guys are listening. And once again, thank you guys for listening. And if you guys have any requests, even if it has nothing to do with professional wrestling, let us know at Political List, all lowercase, Political List Radio, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Once again, that's Political List Radio at gmail.com. If you guys have any requests, any questions, any statements, anything, even if you want to say, hey, let me give a shout out to so-and-so. Oh, I have a statement that has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with wrestling, video games, Nerd Square Circle, any of that. But can you just say this over the air? Okay, well, what is it? You know what I'm saying? Let us know. Politicalthisradio at gmail.com. Now, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the action. And look at that, right around his neck. And if you watched before, Greg Valentine did the same thing to Roddy Piper, and the fans were heated. They were booing. How dare you? Oh, man. And twice around his face. And twice around his face. And he curls it up in his hand, and look at that. Bam. And that's a real dog collar, right? That's a real chain. And it ties it, ties it right around, right around the corner post. Oh, and he's choking him with it. And he's choking him with it. That guy, no offense to Greg Valentine, but he needs to play that up more. I'm sorry, like, he definitely needs to. That's the problem with Greg Valentine. As I say, he, he takes an hour to get into his match. Apparently, he takes an hour and a half, two hours to get into his autograph signings. And he's biting them, too. That's what it looked like. But, yeah, back to the autograph signing at Pro Wrestling Universe. I met the Million Dollar Man, who was cool. Erwin uh, uh, R. Scheister, a.k.a. Mike Rotunda, a.k.a. Uh, Bo Dallas and um, Bray Wyatt's father. Phenomenal. Then I met, uh, at the same time, Greg Valentine was there, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Brutus Beefcake was so cool. As soon as it came to picture time, he'd grab those shears and look at the audience. See how they're getting up and they're screaming and they're yelling, folks? 1983, you really didn't see that. And look at that, it's choking the hell out of them. Now, this is a match. But back to what I was saying, Greg Valentine was there, Brutus Beefcake was so cool. Soon as the guy who was there, I guess it was the security or whoever's helper or aide or whatever you want to call him, to the right now for the photo op. <coughs> and a chair right there to the face. Oh, right into the guardrail. Right into the guardrail. And keep in mind, folks, yeah, I, I'm going to cut off a conversation and go back and forth into it. Because I'm trying to give you guys all the information possible. Look, he's dragging them right up. Right up to the apron. I thought Piper was left-handed. I don't know why, but I thought Piper was left-handed. Oh, right in the ear. And that, that is where it actually popped Roddy Piper's eardrum in real life. It actually blew his eardrum in real life. 
and then the rest of his life, he actually suffered from partial deafness, right there, that one shot, because a lot of people, Roddy Piper said it, but a lot of people don't realize, when Greg Valentine did that, he actually cuffed his hand, which to the ear, and I've done it, I've had it done to me, and I've done it to other people, unfortunately, but yeah, it it blows your eardrum because of the suction itself, when you actually cuff your hand and do, and actually get cuffed in the ear with a cuffed hand, and that's what Greg Dama Valentine did. Man, look at Roddy Piper right now. Now you tell me, you tell me who had the better, uh, which match was better, Roddy Piper versus Greg Valentine, and this isn't even the main event. It's it's for uh, the championship, but not for the uh, NWA World Championship. I believe this is the United States Championship. Equilibrium was off from that point on. That's why when he first went to World Wrestling Federation, he was uh, a bodyguard or a spokesperson or whatever you want to call it. Because the balance was off. I know what that's like, trust me. I won't, uh, that's another can of worms, but I know what it's like to have loss of hearing. And your balance is off. Completely. And what a match this is. And folks, back uh, once again, back to what I was saying a few weeks ago when I um, when I met uh, Money Incorporated and the original Dream Team. Brutus Beefcake was was so cool, and a lot of people hate on Brutus Beefcake. I got love for Brutus Beefcake. I can't hate on Brutus. Beefcake. Brutus Beefcake was the man, except for his tights. They were a little uh, what the hell. <laughs> but Brutus Beefcake was definitely the man. I, I honestly believe at this day and age, if Brutus the Barber Beefcake would actually be in professional wrestling at this day and age, the man would be at the top of his game. Like, people would freaking... People don't like Brutus Beefcake on a strength of... Because the only reason they feel... The only reason he got his shot is because of Hogan. But let's be honest. Remember, he was the male stripper at first. Yes, when he was with Greg Valentine, which we're watching right now. And there goes to the pinfall. So when he was with Greg Valentine as the uh, Dream Team, remember, he was originally a stripper. I, they didn't come out and say it, but you pretty much knew it from the way that, you know he was presented. And then it wasn't until WrestleMania 3, irony, when he came out and actually cut um, Adrian Adonis's hair in the hair versus hair match with Roddy Piper. Wrestling facts. And that was WrestleMania 3 when the Dream Team actually split up and they were replaced. Uh, Brutus and Bobby Beefcake was replaced with uh, Dino Bravo. But those are some wrestling facts for you. Remember, uh, and if you like Wrestling Facts, tune into Wrestling Facts. Uh, it was a quick bonus that I did a couple of podcasts ago. Tune into uh, Pro Wrestling Facts. I gave a quick uh, couple of Pro Wrestling Facts. And that was a Pro Wrestling Fact that you guys didn't know right there. 
And Piper's bleeding all over. Valentiner's bleeding all over at the top of his head, too. And you can tell that's probably the hard way it looks like because it's at the top of his head. I don't think Piper nor Valentine would actually blade themselves at the top of the head. See what I mean? When you listen to the old perfect, uh, old WWE or anybody else, or even the old freaking podcast, so the podcast, you know, the old school wrestlers, they'll even tell you, Greg Dabber Valentine takes so long to wake up and get into a match. And now he's, you know, he's throwing the fists. Now he's getting into it. He's selling it a lot more. But yeah, Greg Nabber Valentine was definitely hung over that day a few weeks ago. He growled at me. He was like, as he handed back my autograph. I'm like, okay. But Brutus Beefcake had the uh, hedge clippers with him, or as you would say, the shears. Oh, wow, look at that. Did you see that knee drop? Then at a two, no, a one count. And he's tiring him out. Now, a lot of people might say, why the hell would you keep covering him if he's kicking out a one? It's a tiring out maneuver. It tires out the person that you're actually wrestling. Yeah, believe it or not, folks, okay. If you want to say wrestling is predetermined and whatnot, if you're covering somebody, you have to kick out. Do you know how much energy that takes after, like, the third or fourth time? And, of course, the Peacock app slipped up again and lagged for, like, two seconds. So, if you're listening to this, right now they're going to put it, uh, Valentine is putting Piper in the suplex and Piper's trying to fight it. Like I said, folks, don't blame me. Blame the Peacock app. They really need to update that. Oh, wow. Did not expect that. Piper is definitely beat up, and Valentine himself is just just so heavy set to begin with. I think they got the eight. That's what it sounded like. It didn't look like it, but that's what it sounded like. And you see, now they're going to fight each other tooth and nail now. There you go. Oh, the sleeper hold. Which is crazy on the strength that I said this before. Rowdy Piper's old move. Well, in the future, his res- I don't know what his uh, finisher maneuver is now. But a few years in the future, it will be the sleeper hold, his finishing maneuver. So he got the two and Piper said, no, 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 no. He didn't even get the three. I don't like when they do that, when they raise the hand to three, and then the person, whoever they're wrestling, actually keeps their hand up on three. 
to me, it's just, it's, this is why, it's one of the reasons why people look at professional wrestlers, oh, you watched that, you know what I'm saying, like, I don't like that at all, wait till three, keep your hand up on one, keep your hand up on two, don't do that shit on three, once on a blue moon, then yeah, do it on three, but every single time, it has to be on, right on three, they keep their hand up, and to me, it's like, come on, like, <clears throat> the, the, you already know what's coming because it's done so often and still done to this day me personally I think the majority of the time if you get to three and you raise the dude's hand it's put your hand down don't even don't even keep your hand up because then you're just you're insulting the fans even back then, even back in 1983, it worked two, oh, oh, and a three, and it's over. Ladies and gentlemen, Well, you gotta take that dog collar off because he's still attached to Greg Valentine. I don't think anyone. Oh, no, he took the dog collar off, Greg Valentine. And now he's pounding on Roddy Piper. Oh, wow. Choking him out. Now, what the hell was his, his voice that was just in the ring? They just jumped out the ring, so yeah, beat him up. Uh, we'll just stand here. They're not going to break it up. Look, the referee got more balls. That's a, I'm sorry, that's a screw up right there. How does the referee have more balls than the two wrestlers that were just in the ring? Not cool. That's the ultimate screw up. They look, they still, the referee jumps right back in, too. Oh, I think that was it. I'm mistaken. I think that was when uh, he cuffed Piper. Because Piper himself has said he grabbed, unless Piper got confused about it. But he said he actually grabbed uh, the collar in his hand. So that might have been when he actually cuffed him in the ear. I, I think it was with the chain, though, and Piper got confused about it, my honest opinion. Now, you hear what Gordon Soli just said? He said the re-injury in the ear. So, what exactly did Piper's ear get injured to begin with? Or was it all just kayfabe? You know what I'm saying? So, that's really confusing. I, I, I really want to dig deeper into that. Was it all just kayfabe, or did Piper actually blow his eardrum out? And just, you know, played it off to Vince McMahon. Like, oh, yeah, you know, my eardrum, I need
Yeah. So now I'm questioning whether that was actually okay, Fabe, or Roddy Piper actually blew, got his eardrum blown out in this match. Because <laughs> once again, you just heard from uh, Gordon Soley that uh, his ear could possibly be re-injured, which obviously means it happened again. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, please pause this and get to part three. Thank you for watching. This is Political This Radio Nerd Square Circle. This is the NWA. Starcade 83 watch along. Thank you. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is part three of a four-part series. So <clears throat> right now we are at Starcade 1983. Keep in mind, I have to stress this. This is one and a half year before WrestleMania 1. I know I keep stressing it, and the reason why is because I am comparing one to the other. You know, the spectra, the grander, and all that. So right now if you're watching along we paused it at one hour 32 minutes and eight to know uh yep rent one hour 32 minutes and 18 seconds and if you pause it directly at one hour 18 minutes and 32 seconds you will see uh young tony savoni is looks really really freaking stoned right now <laughs> obviously he's not but it's just the way it's poised and Rick Flair you can honestly see Charlotte Flair all in Rick Flair right now and it's amazing let's get back to this interview we are doing the watch along ladies and gentlemen and once again thank you guys so much if you guys are listening and you guys are watching along we are on the peacock right now which once again might i add is not doing that good of a job because it pauses a lot and i don't mean just on you know the system that i'm watching it on i mean like almost every app at least here in new york it does southern new york it's just horrible here in suffolk county in Seattle, Washington, thank you guys for tuning in. Our number one um, state in the United States, our number one viewers are from Seattle, Washington. If you're not from Seattle, Washington, thank you guys for viewing it anyway. Nerd Square Circle, we're about to watch this Ric Flair interview. At one minute, 32 seconds, uh, excuse me, one hour, 32 minutes and 18 seconds. And you guys are ready? Three, two, one, press play. And I'm going to throw my headphones on. And by the way, if you guys are watching this by yourself, throw some headphones on. You really have to hear the quality. I mean the big headphones, not the earphones or the earbuds. Wow, you can just see a young Charlotte Flair all over him. Now you hear how Ric Flair, <coughs> this is how Ric Flair cuts his promos. <coughs> this is actually a pro wrestling. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Smoking that. Got that smoke, but. <coughs> Woo! 
This, <coughs> this is actually a pro wrestling uh, fact, ladies and gentlemen. Ric Flair and any any of his promos. I don't know who taught him that. I apologize for not knowing that. But in any of Ric Flair's promos, he will never tell the guy, hey, you're a piece of garbage. I'm going to beat you because it's going to be that easy. And who the hell, you know, he always says, hey, you've done this, you've done that, but you're not me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, he gives respect to his opponent before he tears his opponent down. Because if his opponent ain't shit... And Ric Flair is going to beat him like that. Why would Ric Flair have any trouble cutting a promo against him or even getting in the ring with him? Why would why would the fans want, want to even view into this match if Ric Flair is going to have no tr- problem r- rolling through him? You get what I'm saying? Oh, the Briscoes. All right, now here comes the NWA Tag Team Championship match. Good job as an announcer, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what her name is, but she does a really good job as an announcer. Now keep in mind, folks, I've already said this before in Part 2 and 1, I believe... This is my first time actually watching Starcade, the original Starcade 83 that we're watching right now, front to back, from beginning to end. And Angelo Mosca, respect to this man. He's, he's still got size to him right here. And look at the Briscoes. Very rarely did you see anybody there. Man, he's got size to him. He looks like Lou Ferrigno right there. But Lou Ferrigno, I think, is like six foot four, believe it or not. Now. Sorry, I didn't want to inter- interrupt the uh, introductions. Jay Youngblood looks like Bo Dallas. Anybody catch that? So on average, they're about 233 and a half pounds each. On average. The Briscoe Brothers. By the way, speaking of the Briscoe Brothers, modern day wrestler, right? The Briscoes, who are great, great, it's honestly, the Briscoes, I'm not talking about these Briscoes, Jack and Terry, I'm talking about the actual Briscoes from 2021, these men, the the second generation Briscoes, I guess you could say, they deserve, they honestly deserve a lifetime freaking achievement award, because how long have they been in the wrestling business for, and they just been tearing the tag team division apart now I like this even though the tights themselves are all the same it's modern like I well not modern but it's basic but the tag teams themselves still have two different color tights on even though they're the same color tights for each team but yeah 
And for those who have only started watching professional wrestling since the Attitude Era, you're about to see Jack Briscoe and Jerry Briscoe. Jerry Briscoe with with Pat Patterson was one half of the Stooges. And that's who's standing on the outside of the ring right now. Jack Briscoe is inside the ring. Who was also an agent for the WWE. At one time. If I'm not mistaken. Or he worked with WWE or something like that. Obviously Jerry Briscoe did. King Kong, Angela Mosca. I didn't know he had the nickname King Kong. Unless that was just something they just threw out there. Now, folks, keep in mind, this is the NW for the NWA Tag Team Champions Championship, which is currently held, if I'm not mistaken, which is currently held right now by, um, Oh, excuse me, I had a brain fart real quick. Now check this out, right? I'll get back to that in a second. Now check this out. You see, as of right now, and Ricky Steamboat, wow, that is so freaking, oh my goodness. Now you see those deep arm drag, that deep arm drag that Ricky Steamboat just threw out? He is so freaking synonymous for that. You see that a lot. When you see a deep arm drag like that, and uh, professional wrestling today it's because of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat keep in mind because Ricky the Dragon Steamboat had those deep deep arm drags and nobody did it better and look at Jerry Briscoe Folks, oh, remember, remember, now, keep in mind, when they have the white shot like they do right now, look at the outside of the ring. You see the photographers? They don't have that anymore. If I'm not mistaken, I don't believe they have the photographers anymore. They have the cameramen, obviously. But I believe the photographers, if I'm not mistaken, stopped somewhere in the late 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Now I don't think they don't, you don't see any photographers, just the cameramen. I totally forgot about that. The photographers are gone. Um, What else don't they have? I believe that they just recently, I don't know if they still have it, but in WWE alone, they just recently brought back the uh, tag rope a few years ago, which they should keep. If If you had it, keep it. But in professional wrestling itself, I believe, as long as you have to see how he tagged in, and Jay Youngblood's hand was actually at the top of the uh, turnbuckle. So as long as I believe what should be, it was the rule as far as it was actually enforced, 
not that much, <laughs> but as long as your hand is actually touching the top turnbuckle, you can make your tag, and your feet have to be touching the floor. You ain't jumping on the freaking middle rope or even the bottom rope and thinking that you're just going to tag in. At least that was the rules. Was it enforced all the time? Not all the time. Now you see how they're taking their time? They're taking their time because one, this is a title match. They're going to build it up. Two, because you got to realize, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I believe the next match, this should be eight matches already. So the next match itself should be the cage match, three world title match. So they're going to have themselves a wrestling match. They're going to take their time. They're going to feed to the fans. You know what I'm saying? Let them, let, let the fans, you know, get their scream on, get their popcorn in. Because I guarantee you, it wasn't advertised, um, obviously, because we're watching it now. So it wasn't advertised on television or, or, you know, however they're broadcasting it. But I guarantee you, the fans were told, after this match comes, just okay, you know, so fans are watching, because <clears throat> they know the still cage match is coming up, so they're watching a title match right now, it's a good title match, don't get me wrong, but I see, I see the psychology in this match itself, I see how they're not going overboard. Everything is real simple, and the fans are, yeah, boo, yeah, boo, because everything is just real simple right now. And then they have Angela Mosca there. Just lifts them. Like it was nothing. Which is amazing, because folks, look at the body shape of the uh, Briscoes themselves, or the majority of wrestlers back in the uh, 80s, well, the 19, early 1980s and before then. There wasn't too many in-shape bodies, like big, big bodies. Or even the hair, and the, it's weird. Compared to now. Now you see what I mean? How he's speeding it up and then they're slowing it down. Watch how they're speeding it up right here. It's hitting the ropes. It's amazing. Back body drop and now it's slowed down. Oh, wow. See? Slowed down. And that's so smart because the audience right now, keep in mind it's pre-recorded, we're not watching it live. Like the build up to the event and the whole nine is amazing. So the audience right now, those watching at home and those watching, you know, actually they're live. 
they're getting their emotions played with because they don't realize that, you know, they know the main event's coming up next. On top of that, they're getting a world, uh, excuse me, tag team title match. But like I said, they're building it up and slowing it down. Building it up and slowing it down. And they're going the wrestling route too. They're keeping it all technical. Because you know there's going to be a brutal cage match coming up next. I didn't the camera. The camera was off. The camera... If, I don't think this is the first time that's actually happened. But the camera, if it was... Then Ricky Steamboat and uh, Jack Briscoe should have been aware of where the cameras were. Because you obviously saw Jack Briscoe, you know what I'm saying, aid Ricky Steamboat in that. So I think that's not the cameraman's fault, especially back in 1983. I think Jack Briscoe and Ricky Steamboat, too, as professionals and as great as they are, they should have been aware of where the cameras were. This way they could block out any of the cat. The crowd would have picked it up for sure. Obviously, they're all around. But they could have definitely blocked it out from the cameras. And hidden that from the public. Or the main public. That was nice. That was nice. Oh, the foot on the rope. Comes right across the leg. He put, you see that, folks? He put the uh, leg on the rope, broke the count, and he jumped right on that leg and tried to break the leg. (coughs) Oh, wow. That was a three. That was definitely, I have to watch that back. Obviously, we're recording, so I'm not going to watch it back, but I could have sworn that was it. I looked away for it, spending the abdominal stretch into the roll-up. See, there's two different counts, and there's a push. Yep, there's a switch. Oh, wow. Yep, there we go, and then there's a tag. So, folks, there's two different counts. People don't realize. I believe there's a northern count and a southern count. I could be mistaken, but I know there's two different counts. Now, there's one count where the ref actually gets on the ground and he counts one, two, three. Then there's another count where the ref gets on the ground and as he gets on the ground, he slams the mat because that's, I guess, what referees, some referees did. And I forgot who it was, but there was confusion in one match because there was one guy who was fighting another wrestler. And the referee was counting, I believe, he had his hand on the mat. He made the three count, but he did not. If I'm not mistaken, as history recalls, or as I recall, the referee himself 
did not actually yell the three count. He did not yell the uh, the actual one, two, three. Even though his hand hit the mat, which led, I believe, which led to the original, the original, original uh, screw job. Because the ref, the wrestler himself, who actually got pinned, was confused as fuck as to what the hell was going on. Oh wow! And there's a shoulder right into the corner post. And you see how slow it was? And, and, and slow pace, but it was still a good technical match. And they went right into freaking... Wow! And here comes the garbage. Here comes the cups. And everybody. Look at everybody in the back now. They're all standing now. Now they're all standing now do you see what I'm talking about, folks? The wrestling psychology in the beginning. They were all sitting. They were yelling from their seats towards the middle. You know, as the matches went on, more and more people started getting up. And now look at everybody. Everybody's standing right now. And this is right before the main event. Do you see that pro wrestling psychology? You can't do that now. I don't think, I honestly don't think they understand how to do that right now. And a new world tag team champion. Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat. Congratulations to both of the Ludos tag team titles, too. Those are still the same tag team titles that the NWA has right now. NWA Power, by the way, folks. That is on Fight TV on Tuesdays. 6.05. You know the deal. Those are beautiful looking titles. I love those titles. The NWA tag team titles. Those are just beautiful, beautiful titles. And look at all the fans. Once again, look at all the fans. Remember when we first started back in part one? Fans were sitting down. They were yelling. And I even said it too. I was like, unless it's somebody really, 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 really important. Or it's a main event or a title match with the fans. They're going to sit in this... (coughs) And you see how they're rolling the credits right now? And I, I'm i guessing, and I'm pretty sure I'm correct, but I'm I'm guessing they're rolling the credits now because they, just in case, the freaking uh, world title match between Ric Flair, the cage match between Ric Flair and Harley Race that's about to come up next, goes like three, four, maybe five minutes over. So then how are they going to roll the credits? That cuts three, four, or five minutes off because of the credits. So they have to get rid of the credits. So they're rolling them right now as they're talking and getting ready, ready for the cage match. I want to see how fast they put up this cage. 
thank you, Brenda W. Evans, in the electronics graphics. Look at all the fat. They're getting rowdy, because not rowdy, they're getting wild. See that? <coughs> Cameras, Jack Crockett, Doug Dillinger, Dave Warlick, Barry Dis- Dickus, Jeff Allen, and Rick Presley. Thank you, cameramans. Larry McGraw and Jim Harwell was the floor managers. I guess they were running the ship from the floor. And the audio unlimited from Greensboro, North Carolina. That's who the lighting's by, ladies and gentlemen. This is amazing because this is all 1983. (laughs) This is 38 years ago what's going on. National Electronics Mobile Operation. And in 1983, trust me when I tell you, mobile had a completely different meaning than what it has now. Oh yeah, you guys get you guys are ready. Please tell me you're ready for this main event. And I've been waiting for this. Oh yeah. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, pause this real quick. How much is left? Actually, no, don't pause it. Don't pause it. I'm going to wait because I want to get this hour out. So we're going to listen to this interview. young Tony Savani Tony Saboni Boogie Woogie My hearing hurts from that. <laughs> Honestly, my hearing hurts just from hearing that. I'm taking the Savani's in his mid to late 20s right here. Holy Moses. He, he looks like the lead singer from The Animals almost. Looks so young. And you know that I will beat you, Ricky Tito Santana. I'm sorry, I was mocking freaking um, the executioner, WrestleMania 1. <laughs> because this is exactly what it sounds like right now for Jay Youngblood cutting a promo. I'm sorry.
see Ricky Steamboat, he could cut a promo. He's just smooth and he goes right through it. Look at those title goodness. Oh my goodness. If you could they, they, ladies and gentlemen, can you see those tag team championships? Those are so beautiful. You know what I'm saying? There's not too much design to them, but yet there's a lot of design to them. You don't have to have your light logo all over it. It doesn't have to be really big. It's just so beautiful. Once again, listen to Gordon Soli. So you could tell the difference from when he's on the microphone in person, like in front of the camera, and then he's actually on announcing. And they're getting ready now. Do you see how long it took for them to actually cut this promo and these promos and, you know, the backstage interviews and the Ric Flair's getting ready? Because right now they're actually setting up the cage. So they're obviously they're buying for time, but it was smart. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, we're going to pause it right here. And please jump right into part three. Thank you guys for listening. Political This Radio. We're pausing it right here at one minute and 50, uh, excuse me, one hour, 59 minutes and one second. That's one hour, 59 minutes and one second. And once again, if you're listening, thank you guys so much. Political This Radio. Remember to listen to part two and part one. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. If you're watching this right now, I'm going to give you a second to catch up. We are on one hour, 59 minutes, and one second. That's one hour, 59 minutes, one second. NWA Starcade, the original, 1983. And wow. I've said it once and I'll say it again. This is the first time I've actually watched it completely front to back. And this is four corner posts for me. Four corner posts, definitely. So if you're watching, and by the way, I'm also eating some potato slash macaroni salad. Homemade. It's delicious. From Pretty Black Cross Street. Now, ladies and gentlemen, three, two, one, play. And here is the impeccable, the one and only Gordon Soley. And I like, once again, I pointed this out. I really noticed how Gordon Soley, in the interviewing area, I guess you can call it, his presence and his voice is much different than how it is when he's announcing. And right now, we're about to get set. They're setting up right now. If you were listening to part four. Or part three, or whatever part it was. The last part. But they're, uh, they're setting up right now for the steel cage match. So they're obviously stalling for time. Damn, this is some good freaking... 
salad right here. Non-salad salad, I guess. And Bob Claire is going back to ringside. Oh, no, maybe not. Does anybody remember? I believe it was WrestleMania 1. It could have been WrestleMania 2. It might have been WrestleMania 1. But does anybody remember when they went to, um, somebody was supposed to cut a promo? And they totally didn't get to the video package during the match, but they just went right to the voice. And then they had the, um, his opponents, uh, I forgot, was it WrestleMania 1 or WrestleMania 2? It was one or the other. But they totally screwed that up. So I gotta say, if I, I can actually say a negative about this, because I have to be honest, I, I, the only negative I have is the audio. Her microphone still works, right? Oh, they're all saying Ric Flair. And see, once again... I think a lot of this might have been pre-recorded on the strength that really everybody they interview is going for Ric Flair. There's nobody that says Harley Race. Even WrestleMania 4. WrestleMania 4 between Hogan and Savage, the crowd was legit. Just split in half. But everybody here is rooting for Ric Flair over Harley Race. Everybody. Oh, yeah. This was a bad mofo. Oh, they finally have the cage set up. Oh, yeah. Watch these introductions, folks. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Out of respect, I'm going to shut up for the rest of the song.
That was beautiful. That was beautiful. If, if you had me make a comparison real quick, I do have to say, Mean Gene Oakland, WrestleMania 1, definitely top that. And here we go for the entrance of Ric Flair. Woo! The nature boy. Now, you see how the lights went out all together? They're going to have the, uh, look at this lighting, too, which is phenomenal for 1983. Now, the nature boy makes his entrance and... Folks, remember when we first started out, there was no entrances. We, you just pop. If I'm not mistaken, there were no entrances at all. Everybody just popped up in the ring. And once again, that's how you. That's how you build a, a wrestling event. That's the psychology behind a wrestling event, man. You see how great this event was. For those who haven't watched it, and for those who have watched it, before we were doing the watch the one today. You see how great this... Once again, I pointed it out in the last three, uh, the last three or four podcasts, I pointed it out again. You see how that, at the beginning, the crowd was sitting down, they were yelling, they were booing, they were cheering... But they were all sitting down. As the event went on, one or two people stood up. And you had a few more people. And now everybody's standing. At the end of the last match, now everybody's standing. Nobody can sit down and watch this with player entrance. Remember, folks, November 1983, I can't stress enough, 38 years ago, you did not see anything like this, especially in professional wrestling. You didn't see anything like this in uh, rock concerts, nothing. Definitely not boxing events. And look at that gauge. And see, that's a legit cage. I like that cage because remember, that's the cage that they had originally. And it's a nice looking cage because it looks like a real cage. Like real fencing. Now, no offense. The hell in a cell that they have now looks like garbage. I, they spray painted it red and I don't like it. It doesn't it doesn't look intimidating to me. Well, that's just the hell in a cell. It's not an actual cage. You know what I'm saying? The cage matches now. When's the last time WWE for them that matter? When's the last time AEW actually had a cage match? 
I like to see a cage match in the NWA, I'll tell you that. NWA power. Nigga Harley Race. With the Harley Race pose. With the helmet here. Flair's pacing back and forth. Oh, he's ready. This is going to be a fight. A match, a fight. And Harley Race didn't have any entrance music. You see, that's what I actually miss. They need, they need a legit heel. So bad. Not even badass. Just so bad, the guy don't even have entrance music. All the girls don't even have entrance, or the lady don't even have entrance music, excuse me. But they need a badass heel so bad, they don't even have entrance music. They just walk to the ring and people are like pissed off and don't even want to see this person. Because they know this person means business. They're a badass heel with no entrance music. They bring back no entrance music heels. The guy's so badass, don't even have a manager. Believe it or not, the first time I've actually seen Harley Race, um, it was when I was a child. It was in the early to mid-1990s. But it was legit. It was legit when he was managing uh, Big Van Vader in WCW. I had no clue Harley Race was actually as great as he was until like a little while after, a few years after that. But at the time, I just thought he was a really great manager, even though he only managed Vader. Termination. And there we go again. Not sure what the hell just happened, but wow, isn't that a freaking, pause this for one second, folks, because for some reason, we just got the Peacock app, for some reason, we just got caught a total freaking lag right here. And I apologize once again. It's not me. It's the freaking Peacock app. That that it happens on every Peacock app that either I have or people that I know have in the southern part of New York. But now we're about to go back to it. Hopefully, there's no screw ups. And imagine that build up, folks, on the way to the freaking uh, watch along. We're almost getting into like some main event. Little air. Here we go. And press start. We're at 2 minutes and 47 seconds right now. Wasn't Gene Skinniski, right? Yep. Yep. Gene Skinniski. Not Gene Snitsky, Gene Kaniski. You see how he's going over there in the second turnbuckles? 
He's about to pass the Harley Race, and he said something to Harley Race. Now he's about to check the yellow turnbuckles, and I bet you he's about to walk in Flair's direction in a few seconds. As the announcer's going over to uh, introduce Harley Race. Peter's light of hand. Oh, this is going to be a great cage match. But Ultra haven't seen it yet. And here we go, folks. Once again, NWA power, or NWA in general, just please bring back the freaking cage match. I want to see, I want to see Nick Aldis, the New Day Ric Flair, and Trevor Murdoch, the modern day Holly Race. I want to see both of them. Yeah, I just said that. I want to see both of them face off in a steel cage match with Trevor Murdoch going over. Look at that fence. That's a real fence. You're not climbing over that. And they didn't have to put barbed wire around it either. They just had a real fence. Damn, young Ric Flair looks so much like Charlotte Flair. That's amazing. And Harley Race. You ever let Harley Race headbutt you just one time? What the special referee, the great Gene Kanitsky. Not Gene Snitsky. And here we go, folks. You see how they were in the ring? How many minutes already? And the bell didn't even start? The match didn't even start yet. That's how you do it. Now the fans, the fans are into it. And here they go, the lockup. What we're going to do, this and that. All right. Stop. And the lockup. And they're going right into it. See, I see what they're doing now. They're stopping and going, and eventually they're going to build up to a full-fledged all-out brawl. See that? Once again, that's exactly what they did the last tag, uh, the last match, the uh, tag match that they had for the NWA Tag Team Champions. Championship, excuse me. This is, I guarantee you, they're gonna build this up and build this up and build this up, and little by little, you're gonna see more intensity and you're gonna see more. It's gonna be good.
and the tire. Now you see how Gene Kaminsky is not playing any of that? Take note of that. Now remember, back in the 80s, this sort of, uh, these sort of things did not happen with the referee actually literally, like, getting involved that much in it. Here and there they were, but actually building up a story or an angle to it was virtually unheard of. And you hear the crowd in the background. You hear the feet stomping on the bleachers. You hear that? And that's another thing you do not hear these days. You might hear the crowd chanting and whatever song they just have in mind or whatever they do. But you do not hear the feet stomping these days. That's another lost thing that you don't have in professional wrestling these days. Oh, and the high knee. <coughs> Speaking of Brutus Beefcake, the high knee. And you see how we just missed it? But it was good because at the camera angle, his head didn't even have to hit the mat, but yet that was a big, that was a good part of the match itself. That was a, ma a major part of the match. Now, like I said, right now when you're watching, obviously they're going to take it slow. They're going to build it up, take it slow, build it up, take it slow, take it slow, take it slow. And then that's what they're going to let loose and the fans are going to explode. And I honestly, right now, I give this, once again, I give this four corner posts. This is legit. It's only... They kept this great. This entire event from beginning to end. My, like I said, my only frustration was what one was um, why the microphone started cutting out left and right for some reason. But they quickly, you know, fixed that. And then they had three tag team matches back to back. Then they had uh, one singles match. And then another tag team match. So if I'm not, I could be mistaken, but if I'm not mistaken, there was only two singles matches. Oh, and Flair with the green Ric Flair boots. When's the last time you saw those green Ric Flair boots? How many times you see the red Ric Flair boots with the white writing? I would like to know what those boots are right now, actually. You actually think that they're, uh... Either in somebody's collection or... Flair still has them.
and a souplet. Remember, folks, not a suplex, a souplet, which I still think is weird. Just like when they started calling a hurricane rata a hurricane rata. Which was a hurricane rata with, with a Spanish accent. Just like a suplex is a uh, souplet. A souplet, excuse me, is a suplex with a, with a French accent. Is that a souplet? A like, what? <laughs> and now remember, we're a few minutes into the match. Not once have they actually used the cage. Like they went from t uh, a technical match... And now they're getting into just, you know, a brutal match, like just an all-out brawl before they actually get to using the cage itself. Now, you see how Jim Kanitsky is getting involved again. And this is a great match, folks. I'm sorry, I want to give you guys as much uh, information as I can possibly, but I'm really, really, really into this match right now because this is just a great match. And once again, the best comparison I can do right now is to actually compare this to WrestleMania 1. This took place on uh, November 24th of 1983. WrestleMania 1 took place... March 31st of 1985. So you got November, December, January, February, March. Okay, so one year and four months before WrestleMania 1. And you can compare, like, even in the audience, they have the red lighting in, in the audience scattered here and there. Like, the lighting is just beautiful. I, I just think, like, the production itself was so much superior. I've said it a thousand times throughout the uh, the four or five watch-alongs, and I'll say it again. Superior. The build-up, the matches, and everything, I think, was superior. The announce... Uh, I can't say the announcing. I think the announcing was even. The announcing was definitely even. Because even though it was two definitely uh, two different announce teams, like Gordon Soley's announcing and, and the NWA right now at uh, Starcade, there was no, you know, back and forth. There was no, you know, the heel face announce team that was just an announce team as you're hearing right now because comparison to Wrestlemania 1 where's Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura obviously one was obviously the face the other was obviously the heel so they were complete opposites but the announce teams themselves were actually really really it was, they were just even if you had to compare the two announce teams it's definitely even 
And now, here's where they start using the cage itself. How far into the match is now they start using the cage? That is smart. I've always thought it should always build up like that. Just like in an, uh, a no-holds-barred match, why do they actually have to go all out and like start using weapons within 30 seconds, even three minutes into the match? Should they not even, like, they should have a freaking, a nice freaking fist cup and just beat the piss out of each other for the first, you know, five minutes, six minutes, then the weapons come out. Slowly but surely the weapons come out. Don't pull them all up out at once. Damn, and there goes that headbutt. And Harley Race himself has actually came out before he passed away and said that he actually, and there's the fallen headbutt, and said that he actually regrets um, actually having the fallen headbutt or the diving headbutt off the top rope or the middle rope or whatever rope he uses. But do you get the point? Because he's used, you know, the middle rope sometimes, he's used the bottom rope I've seen. But the, uh, the falling headbutt itself, Harley Races actually came out and said he wishes he didn't actually use it because so many other people actually started using it after him. And it really jacks your brain up. You ever have a concussion? That shit freaking hurts. I've had a few. It is no joke. It is no joke. It's a very, very serious situation. And I'm actually glad that professional wrestling in general is actually taking more precautions towards it. And sports. Yeah, like, what is Jinko? Why is Jinkanitsky actually counting? Is he going to disqualify Harley Race if he doesn't break by five? And Flair with the cheap shot, even though Flair is actually the face. And there goes. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the infamous uh, blue tights, the typical blue tights with the typical blue knee pads. And Flair's got some light blue tights, but still, I, I just think it's funny because uh, how many how many guys have actually had the infamous blue tights with the infamous blue knee pads? And three Kanetsky, just whisper right into his ear. And he told him something. I don't know what Kanetsky just told Holly Race, but he's about to tell Flair. 
And we're about to find out in a few seconds. But whatever connection, just old Holly Race, you just old player. Oof. So you got player busted open, now you got Holly Race busted open. Which is bad because I just said this before. This is an 83 and I just actually, uh, earlier on in the earlier podcast, I think it was uh, the first one or the second one. One of those podcasts, but I actually just said something about freaking Abdullah the Butcher. So they should definitely be taking uh, caution, especially, especially since age just came around right back. But actually, I don't know if it was um, the public and all over the media in November of 83, but I know by 85, I believe it definitely was. Oh, Nakanisky's pushing around Flair. See, what's just confusing me right here, folks? Because if you think about it, like, wait, is Kanisky a face or a heel? And Flair's doing heel as shit, even though Flair's obviously a face. So I, I'm guessing Kanisky's a face on the strength that he's calling everything down the middle. And Ric Flair is just Ric Flair. And this is a cage match, which I don't understand because now you have Gene Kanitsky that's just getting way too involved in this in this match for no reason at all. Alright, Kanitsky is just getting involved in the match for no reason, way too this is a cage match. Let him go at it. Right. See what I mean? There you go. I just don't understand why Gene Kaniski just keeps getting involved in his matches. Which in return actually makes Harley Race actually looks like it look like a face. So is this um? Sorry, I just wanted to let that uh, pinfall go. But it, it, is this the start of a Harley Race slash Ric Flair face heel turn? Like Flair, you know, he may be a face after this and Harley Race may still be a heel. But in the future, this could be like, this is, could be planting the seeds.
So that's definitely what it feels like. We definitely be planting the seeds for that. And a back body drop. Or belly to back suplex, or whatever you want to call it. See, which is weird because you have two different types of, uh, well, two or three different types of cage matches. You have the cage match where it's a pinfall or submission only. Then you have the cage match where it's just elimination only. Then you have a cage match where it's pinfall, elimination. Oh, not pinfall, elimination, excuse me, escape. Then you have the cage match where it's pinfall, submission, or escape. All three. But uh, G. Kaminsky definitely is getting involved. <laughs> Just way too much. This is like... A, I don't know how to call it, but this is... <laughs> it's funny. And it goes to suplex and the reversal. And once again, great shot of the crowd, but horrible timing. And look how bloody they are. And the headbutt again. And there goes, yep. And that, that is the move that Harley rates himself. The falling headbutt. Or the diving headbutt. It's the falling headbutt when Harley races through. But regardless, so you see how he connected, like, dead on with the head. And he said himself, he wished he would have never done it. Because so many people have done it after him. So now the diving headbutt, uh, they actually don't uh, connect with the head. They actually connect with the shoulder. So it's actually not a diving headbutt. It's a diving shoulder butt. And a kick out. Uh, but which is weird because if you look at it this way, it's a weird calling it a diving, diving shoulder butt because that's exactly what it is. Or is it as weird as WCW calling a foreign object an international object? And he's still beating Flair bloody. I think they should have just had elimination only. But, I mean, like I said, this is before elimination only. Not elimination, excuse me, escape. But this is way before that. Where well, this is pinfall or submission only.
But I still like those guardrails on the outside, I gotta say. It's simple, you can still see the crowd at full view. Those are nice and hard. If they were a lot sturdier and a lot more like into the ground, you could just toss people on. It, it looks brutal. Now the guardrails, if there are any, look just, I'm sorry, but the guardrails, they're just so protected. And there he goes again. I don't think so. I I would have to say Gene Kaniski is doing a horrible job. It, it is a cage match. Oh, and a reversal. Into a play. <laughs> that's, I still think that's funny. And missed. With a face full of red. Oh, and then headbutt of Kaminsky. Yeah, how... I don't know how Harley Race did not have a lot, and I mean a lot of mental problems, and I mean this in the nicest way to say it, because do you see the amount of headbutts he handed out in this match alone? And here comes the pitfall, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, look at the fans jumping up and down, running all over the place. Do you see the build-up? Do you still see the build-up? That art has been lost for the longest time. For the longest time. Well, Angelo Bosco, back in the ring. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me cut this off. Because it's been real, real late, and I do have to get to sleep, because work is work. Thank you guys so much for watching along. Political List Radio, this has been the Square Circle. NWA, Starcade 1. Unbelievable, classic. Classic. Thank you for 